0: thank you thank you for your warm welcome uh, you can open your bibles to first corinthians 14. it is a uh, even though it's last minute it's a joy to be with you and uh, when i come to redeemer fellowship it's good to see people that um were part of covenant fellowship for years and then people i've never met and to see how this church is is growing is such an encouragement and um So just being with you is an encouragement to me. I I also want to thank you. Uh, Every time I come, I want to do this. I want to thank you for your partnership with Sovereign Grace. You make us stronger as a family of churches. Uh, Just your gospel presence here in the Newark, Delaware area, uh, your commitment to preach the gospel and to reach out with the gospel, that strengthens us. And then you have planted and built a church so well. You are... A model of how to plant a church and so when we have church planters now that are exploring church planting we want them to talk to to Joel and Jason and Sean and Drew and we want them if they're able to come here and just be with you and see how you have planted this church so well so that's just another way that you have strengthened us and I I thank God for you. As Jason mentioned, you're continuing your series. Joel asked me to continue your series um, in 1 Corinthians, and we arrive here at 1 Corinthians 14, uh, a chapter that is probably the most extensive treatment on the gift of prophecy and tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And so when Joel texts me at about 4.30 or 5 Friday afternoon, hey, hey man, I'm, I'm down in bed sick. Is there any chance you could come? The text is 1 Corinthians 14, verses one through 25. And I looked at the text, and I'm like, are you, are you messing with me? Because I, I was talking to Jason earlier, Joel gave you the head coverings passage, and now we get to the tongues passage, and he's a little sick. Yeah. Joel, I know, I know you're watching. Um, Love you, man, and praying. Praying that you get feeling better. 1 Corinthians 14. Last, last month, by the way, I uh, listened to Joel's message. Um, to 1 Corinthians 12, verses uh, 4 through 11, he, he mentioned prophecy in tongues there and said, we're going to give more time to that next month, and it's next month, and so that's where we arrived today in 1 Corinthians 14. Title of my sermon, that the church may be built up that the church may be built up. We're going to read the first 25 verses of this chapter. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. strive to excel in building up the church therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret for if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful what am I to do I will pray with my spirit but I will pray with my mind also I will sing praise with my spirit but I will sing with my mind also otherwise I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus... Tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together, and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. May God bless the preaching of his word. Let me ask you, what is the disposition of your heart and of your mind as you arrive at church today? Some of you got out of bed rejoicing that this is the best day of the week, eager to be here and worship with God's people. If that's you, this text, it's for you. Some of you are on the opposite side of the spectrum. You arrive here with hard thoughts about God. You're in the midst of trials and and suffering that don't seem to end. You're confused by them. You're beginning to wonder, is God being cruel is he punishing you some of you arrive here thinking that God is disappointed in you because this week in particular has been a sin fest (laughs) and you think that God has thrown up his arms and frustration that he's done with you see if you have hard thoughts about God this morning this text it's for you or maybe you're arriving here as a bit skeptical about the gifts and if that's you by the way I was a skeptic about the gifts I can relate to you and maybe you're skeptical about the gift of tongues in particular if you arrive here that way this morning this text it's for you or maybe you're here and you're not sure where you are in your relationship with God in fact you're not even sure that you're a Christian if that's you this text it's for you. Now it may seem odd to you that these 25 verses which speak about the gifts of prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues can somehow speak into your life regardless of the state of mind or heart that you arrive here this morning. But it's, it's not odd if you step back, if we step back and consider that God, the God that we see in this text, the God that Joel talked about a few weeks ago, the God who is the giver of the gifts, and the giver of the gifts of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, that he gives them to his church for his good. It's not as odd. See, I want us to step back from 1 Corinthians 14, verses one through 25, And I want us to see, first and foremost, that this chapter, these first 25 verses, is not first and foremost about the gifts of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. They are, but it's first and foremost about God Himself. About God, who gives these gifts for the good of the church. So that, as we heard throughout the passage, so that the church can be built up. And so, regardless of your disposition of how you arrived this morning... This text is for you, because God is going to use it to not grant clarity, but to build you up. Therefore, I've I've written my points intentionally to be God-centered and not gift-centered. So as we look at these wonderful gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, we will understand God's intention of giving them to this church and to his church. So three points. Here's my first point. Number one, God's desire to build up. God's desire to build up. So after dedicating chapter 13 to the primacy of love, as Jason talked about last week, Paul begins chapter 14 by saying, Pursue love, good transition statement, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So as we gather together on Sunday mornings as we gather together in fellowship groups, we should be eager to desire the gifts and according to chapter 14 verse 1, especially the gift of prophecy. Gordon Fee makes this wonderful observation. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 20, we find the earliest mention of prophecy or prophetic utterance in the New Testament. Although not a frequent term in the Pauline corpus, it occurs in the earliest and latest of the letters. Romans 12, 6, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, uh, verse 2 and 8, 14, verses 6 and 22, 1 Timothy 1, 18, 1 Timothy 4, 14, 14, strongly suggest that this was a normal expression of the Spirit's activity in the early Christian communities. So in earnestly desiring the gift of prophecy, you are earnestly desiring a normal expression of the Spirit's activity in the New Testament church. But but what is it? It's, It's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. It just says prophecy. It just says prophecy here. What is the gift of prophecy? Here's the definition we use at Covenant Fellowship. Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is the human report of a d- divine revelation. Now, you've got to be careful with that word revelation. By revelation, we don't mean that what is spoken prophetically is going to be added to the canon of Scripture. The prophetic word that Drew shared this morning, you will not find in your Bibles this afternoon. That's what that means. You say, well, why use the word revelation then, Mark, in your definition? It's because it's the same word that Paul uses when he talks about prophecy later in the chapter. Look at verse 26. He says, What then, brothers, when you come together like we have this morning, each one has a hymn we sang this morning, a lesson I'm preaching now, a revelation. There's the word revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Then go down to verse 30. If a revelation, there's that word again, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you can all prophesy one by one. And so we see in verse 30 and 31 that Paul uses revelation and prophecy synonymously because revelation is descriptive in nature. Wayne Grudem says it this way, the revelation which comes is thought by Paul to be of divine, not human origin. This is evident first from the fact that the word Paul uses for revelation occurs 44 times in the New Testament and it never refers to human activity or communication rather whenever the New Testament speaks of a revelation it is always given by the activity of God so prophecy is the human report of what you believe God has brought to mind and you're reporting it for the good of the church Now, we can quickly move past the definition, okay, understand what the definition, and we can miss a stunning truth. God, the God of the universe, desires to speak to you today. God wants to speak to us. Now, we got to get this right. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. The most frequent way that he speaks to us is through his word. But occasionally, he will use prophetic words to speak right into our lives and right into our situation. And even though this gift, the gift of prophecy is imperfect, and even though it has limitations, it has a wonderful purpose for the church. We see that in verse 3. Why does God give the gift of prophecy to the church? Verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for what? For their upbuilding and encouragement, and consolation. See, a a prophetic word has the potential to, to build up, to encourage, to console you when you need consolation. One of the things that affects me, and it affected me again this morning, last night when I was working on this, and again this morning, and I would encourage you to do this. Read the entire chapter. As you read the entire chapter chapter 14 you'll find this repetitive language that captures the heart of his God the heart of God for his people because that repetitive language that you'll see 6 times in this chapter is the church being built up it's this built up language you see it in verses 3 4 5 12 17 and 26 and knowing that scripture is divinely inspired by God That repetitive language captures God's heart for you. That He desires not to tear you down, but he desires to build you up. He does that at times by giving you prophetic ministry. See, that's important for you if you arrived here this morning with hard thoughts about God. You arrive here just a bit confused about life, and you don't understand what God is doing. You feel distant from him. Or maybe you arrive with shame and guilt because of sin, and you just think God is disappointed in you. And that, that he would just rather actually tear you down than build you up. Those are wrong thoughts. Those are hard thoughts about God. And that's why this text is for you. That's why God gives the gift of prophecy to the church. Because the spirit moves and a prophetic word is shared. Drew's word this morning, a wonderful example of those that need comforted that are here this morning. And you hear a word like that and you are built up. Yesterday I took some of the members of the Covenant Fellowship Prophecy team with me to Green Tree Church, a Sovereign Grace Church in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. And... I taught, and then we did some time of ministry. And one of the people traveling with me, uh, Lori Snyder, uh, actually during the ministry time, came up to me and said, here's this picture that I have, and I wonder if I'm supposed to share it. And so I had her share it. This is, what, this is the picture God gave her right during the ministry time. And so I had it share with her, have her share it with everyone there. She had a picture of a bonsai tree and of these scissors just pruning away at the bonsai tree, just cutting it making it more fruitful. And she said, I I just believe there are people that are coming and they're going through this pruning season that the Lord's taking them through. And they came here today because they're discouraged and they're looking for encouragement. They came here today because they're a bit hopeless and they're looking for hope. And so I had her share that word. And when she was done, there was a man to my right who immediately stood up and he said, I just bought my wife a bonsai tree this week. And I bought her that bonsai tree as a gift because we're going through some really tough times together. And I thought it might comfort her. And I came today because I'm looking for encouragement. And I'm looking for hope. He got done and another man stood up. And he said, my wife has had a bonsai tree for a number of years. And she prunes it. And she and I are walking through some of the most difficult times in our life, including our marriage. And this church knows I haven't been here for some time, but I had to come today because I was looking for encouragement and I was looking for hope. See, God uses the gift of prophecy with specificity like that to build up his people and to build up his church. By the way, this work of of building up is not limited to the gift of prophecy. The gift of tongues can can also build you up as well. We'll talk about the gift of tongues more in the next point, but we see in verse 4 this building up language as it relates to the gift of tongues. Verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. A gift of tongues, it has this... The self-edification component to it, so that when you use the gift of tongues, it will strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ if you have that gift. So if you have arrived here a bit skeptical about the gifts and the gift of tongues in particular, again, I can relate to your skepticism. See God's desire of giving the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues to his people for the purpose of building them up. But before we look at the gift of tongues, I want to make you aware of a couple of limitations that the gift of prophecy has. It it does have some limitations. First of all, prophecy, the gift of prophecy is affected by our finite and fallen humanness. So our ability to give and receive prophetic words is limited and imperfect. It's why I love this verse in my Bible that Jason preached last week. For we know in part and we prophesy in part because Christ has not returned yet and that day when he returns we will know fully and we won't need the gift of prophecy but now we know in part and we prophesy in part it means this that the prophecies that we see in our bibles they are infallible but prophetic words that are shared today they are fallible Meaning that they are imperfect, that mistakes can be made, and that has practical implications for you. That if you're the recipient of prophetic ministry, of a prophetic word, whether it's corporately here, or in a small group, or if you have a prophetic delivered to you uh, personally, you need to take it and weigh it. As it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 29. You need to submit it to God and to his word. You need to submit it to the wise counsel of others. We want to be very clear about this. We don't want people making major decisions about their life based on a prophetic word. That's not, it's not intended to be used that way. Because it's affected our That gift is affected by our finite and fallen humanness. Second limitation, the gift of prophecy has no authority on its own. There's only one authority in our lives, you gotta get this right, and that is God's word. This is the authority in our life. And so the gift of prophecy operates under the authority of God's Word. It doesn't have an independent authority, which is why we don't want people making decisions about their lives based on a prophetic word. In fact, it means that prophetic ministry needs to be submitted to the Word of God, and that's one of the ways that you weigh a prophetic word that you receive. And so if you arrive here with questions about the gift of prophecy, I certainly understand them. But I would say this, that this church wants you to know and our family of churches wants you to know that we're attempting to use the gifts and the gift of prophecy in particular within the confines of sound biblical doctrine, within the confines of biblical boundaries because we know that's the best way for it to be used. And maybe, maybe that will comfort you as it relates to the gifts and the gift of prophecy and tongues in particular. I mentioned going to, to Green Tree Church yesterday and um, we had just a wonderful time of, of ministry with the folks and we were wrapping up and this woman came up to me um, and she said, I want you to know that I walked in here as a cessationist. I don't, didn't believe in the gifts. I didn't, see it, I didn't see it in scripture. I didn't see how it could happen. I walked in here as a cessationist and today I'm leaving as a continuationist. Here's why. Your teaching was clear and it helped me, but it wasn't just the teaching. I watched how prophetic ministry was used and that helped convince me as well. So if you're still not sure about the gifts, the gift of prophecy, maybe even the the gift of tongues, watch. Watch how this church uses the gifts and study scripture for yourself and allow the Lord to lead you on that theological decision okay second point God's desire for clarity so we have God's desire to build up number two God's desire for clarity see I come into the pulpit this morning excited to be with you because I have faith that God wants to give you clarity regarding the gift of tongues and how it along with the gift of interpretation can be used if it's done rightly to build up the church. Now, the gift of tongues is only mentioned twice in the New Testament. It's mentioned in the book of Acts, and it's mentioned here in 1 Corinthians. Yet, you know this, the gift of tongues has attracted so much attention. It's created so much controversy. It's it's raised a number of questions. And I get it. Let's, Let's just be honest. Tongues is a weird gift, isn't it? It is. It's just a weird gift, That's what I thought when I first was exposed to it. Like, this is strange. Which is why it's very interesting that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, an author of much of the New Testament, a theological genius, says here in chapter 14, verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Oh, wow. Really? Really? I mean, there's a lot he could have been thankful for. There's a lot he could almost sort of brag about, but tongues? Paul didn't shy away from the gift of tongues. He wasn't afraid of the gift. Rather, it seems, according to our text, that he regularly was given to praying and singing and praising God in tongues, and he wasn't embarrassed to say so. That's what the text tells us. And that alone should give us pause. Pause. It should give us pause before we quickly dismiss the gift of tongues as not for us. Not not that one. That one's not for me. See, we must remember that the gift of tongues is listed in God's inspired word. That the gift is not man's idea. That the gift is actually God's idea. So what is what is the gift of tongues? How how do you define that gift? Here's the definition I want to give you. The gift of tongues is the spirit-empowered ability to speak in a language you have not learned before. So the gift of tongues is a uh, spirit-empowered ability to speak in a language you've never learned before. That's the definition. It's a heavenly prayer language that you speak to God. And we know that from verse 2. He says in verse 2, for one one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So tongues is speech that is directed to God. And we know from verse 4 that when we pray in tongues, and when we pray in tongues, we should do that in private because there's no interpretation, that it builds up, as I mentioned before. Now, I, I mentioned earlier that if you arrive here this morning a bit skeptical about the gifts, that's how I arrived at Covenant Fellowship Church. Jill and I and our family came from a cessationist church, a cessationist past, and then we were exposed to the gifts. And when I, I remember the first time I heard somebody privately, very quietly praying in tongues, it weirded me out. Uh, this is a weird thing, this is a weird gift. And so we had to study scripture. Where are we at theologically? Are we cessationists or continuationists? So we spent some time studying scripture. And these passages here were very, very helpful for us. And so we realized, okay, I think we're, we're continuationists, but what does that mean? What, what gifts do we have? So we just began to pray about that. And I remember praying, Lord, I'm open to any of the gifts, but not, not tongues. No, I don't want, no way. I don't want that one. And I didn't pursue it. I didn't eagerly desire it. I didn't earnestly desire the gift of tongues. I'll never forget, we were at a, um, a meeting of Sovereign Grace churches gathered together, and there was a wonderful preaching uh, that particular evening uh, from the Old Testament, you know, where uh, Moses touches the rock and water gushes out and refreshes his people in the desert. And there was a time of ministry after that. It wasn't a time of ministry for tongues, and so I just I just felt compelled to to go down and so I went down I wanted I just wanted to receive from God I wanted to be filled with the spirit and somebody put their hand on me began to pray uh, began to pray for me and immediately I began to speak in tongues It freaked me out But well, here's what I remember there were two things I remember I remember being very humbled. It was almost like I was standing on holy ground because I was aware of the presence of God himself through the work of the Spirit. And I thought, I, I don't deserve even to be here. That was the first thought that I had. The second thought is, what am I saying? And I realized, oh, I can control this. I can, I can stop it. I can start it. And over the next several months, learned how to use the, to, the gift of tongues to pray like... Paul mentions here, with the gift of tongues. So if you, were, if you think this is a strange gift, I completely understand. I would say study Scripture and talk to those who have the gift. By, by the way, did you note in verse 5 that Paul writes, he says that the one who, who prophesies is greater than the one who speak in, speaks in tongues. Now, what what does that mean? Does it mean that the person who has the gift of prophecy is greater than the person who has the gift of tongues? That makes no gospel sense, does it? The ground's all level around the cross, so we know it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that the gift of prophecy is greater than the gift of tongues? And when you went through 1 Corinthians 12, verses four through 11, you don't see any distinction or any hierarchy, so we know that it doesn't mean that. So what does Paul mean here? It means... That prophecy has a greater potential to to build up, has a greater potential to edify the church because it's in intellible language, language that you would understand unless there's a tongue that's interpreted and that would be language you would understand as well for the purpose of the gathered church to be built up. See, it's greater because God's desire is for the church to be built up. He he wants people to have clarity in the gathered setting for what is being said to them, because when they have that clarity, there's more of a potential for the church to be built up, which is why Paul devotes chapters 8 through 19 in our text by making the point of intelligibility by using music, musical instruments and in different languages as illustrations of how God's people can have clarity when a tongue is shared because his desires that they would be built up. Let's just use one example. Look at verse 10 again. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So how do you do that? He says, well, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. God wants his people to have clarity as to what is being said so they can be built up. And one of the ways that he gives clarity to his people is by giving the gift of interpretation to the church. So what's what's the gift of interpretation? Here's the definition I want to give you. The gift of interpretation is the spirit-empowered ability to translate a public utterance of tongues into the language of the congregation. Let me read it again. The gift of interpretation is a spirit-empowered ability to translate a public utterance of tongues into the language of the congregation. Now we know from verse 2 that the the nature of tongues is God-directed. Therefore, an interpretation of tongues needs to be God-directed as well. That means that the interpretation is gonna be more in the form of a a prayer, or of a praise, or of an expression of gratitude to God. That's what you're listening for when you hear an interpretation. Is it directed to God? Mark Stibbs says this, when a tongue is given in public, there's a sense in which the congregation is overhearing the passionate worship of an individual believer, much like what happens when we read the Psalms, These are hymns of praise from a believer or nation uh, of the nation uh, or nation of God. If an interpretation is offered which is not in the form of prayerful adoration, we should be cautious about regarding it as a genuine interpretation. If it is offered in the form of praise language, then it has a much better chance of being the true interpretation. So at Covenant Fellowship, we we haven't had many tongues and interpretation on a Sunday morning. I I think that's fine. I don't think the New Testament talks about frequency. If anything, it talks about frequency. Prophecy is going to be used more. Um, I mentioned the Gordon Fee quote earlier. So we've only had a few over the last many years, and it was about, um, I don't remember how many years ago now. The pandemic threw me off. Four or five years ago, there was a Sunday morning and this was, my, this was my state of mind coming into the meeting. I didn't have any public responsibility. I just had responsibility for the Prophecy Mic like Drew did this morning. And I was feeling really tired and I thought, I can just kind of cruise through this service. That was my mindset, right? So I go to the Prophecy Mic and I'm there and there's people came up with prophetic words, but uh, then Joe Stagora came up and he said, Mark, I think I've got a tongue. I'm like, oh man. do you you really? (laughs) I think that's what I said to him, actually. Really? And so I'm I'm praying, I'm thinking, I don't know, we're getting towards the end of the song set, I'm not sure it's gonna fit. And so I went over to to Jared and I said, you know, he thinks he's he's got a tongue, what do you think? I think we're near the end. And so he said, we're not gonna take it. So I go and I tell Joseph, I said, we're not gonna take it this morning. So he says, okay, and and he left. And it was like we sang the next verse and Jared comes over to me and, and he says, I think we're supposed to take that tongue from Joseph. I'm like, well, he's not here. He goes, find him. So I'm running out of the auditorium. I'm running out in the lobby looking for Joseph. I find him, and I bring him back in, and then Jared gets up, and this is how we do it at Covenant Fellowship typically. He said, we we believe that we have someone who has a tongue, and uh, if you think you have the gift of interpretation or interpretation, please come forward. Now, we wouldn't have him share the tongue publicly until we knew we had the interpretation. So, I, you know, I'm, no, I'm aware of one or two people in our church that have the gift of interpretation. And so that morning, the morning when I was tired and think I didn't have much to do, like five or six people come up with what they think is the interpretation. And so I'm thinking, I gotta listen to every one of those, which is what I did. And so there's this long I mean, the instruments are playing. There's this long pregnant pause in our meeting as I'm listening to each of these interpretations. And what I'm, what I'm looking for is, is it God-directed speech? And I think we, oh, we got one. And so we, we had Joseph share. And we had the woman who had the interpretation share. And it was wonderful. It was, it was exactly what, what Mark Stibb talks about. You're listening in on somebody who is giving praise to God it was all God directed it was edifying it built up the church now without interpretation tongues should be used in private read verse 28 in this chapter because it says as much but when you use the gift of tongues in public it needs to be accompanied by interpretation so that the church can be built up Okay, third, last point, God's desire to save. So God's desire to build up, God's desire for clarity, God's desire to save. So after establishing the principle of intelligibility for the purpose of building up the church, we get to this section here, verses 20 through 25, where Paul essentially says in verse 22 that tongues are a sign for unbelievers Prophecy is a sign for believers. So, how is tongues a sign for unbelievers? Look at verses twenty through twenty-two. Brothers, do not be infant, or excuse me, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law it is written, "By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people," and even then. They will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, or therefore, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Now, the context of verse 21, Paul is quoting Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. Let's look at those. We have to understand that verse, these verses to understand verse 21. Look at these verses with me. For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to this people to whom he said, this is rest, give rest to the weary, and this is repose, yet they would not hear. So the context of Isaiah 28 is one of God's judgment on unbelievers in Israel. Because they had not listened to God's repeated warnings to repent, God tells them he's gonna send foreigners And historically, contextually, he sends Assyrian invaders whose speech and language they do not know or understand. So Paul quotes Isaiah 28 to illustrate that tongues, a language that can't be understood by unbelievers unless there's interpretation, is a form of punishment for their judgment and hardness of heart because of their unbelief in Christ. Thus says Paul, and for that reason, Paul says in verse 22, signs or tongues then are a sign for unbelievers. And then he goes on to say that prophecy is a sign for believers. Now he's already established earlier in the chapter that the purpose of prophecy is one of building up. We can see why that prophecy is a sign for a believer, a good sign. And with that principle established, Tongues, a sign for unbelievers, prophecy, a sign for believers. He then contextualizes these gifts in verse 23. Look at verse 23. If there the whole church comes together like we are this morning, and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? See, when the whole church is gathered, Filled with believers and unbelievers, which I hope is the case today, Paul is saying this don't devote your meeting to the speaking of tongues unless there's interpretation, because it won't edify the believer, and the evangelistic opportunity to share the gospel will be, with unbelievers will be lost because they're going to hear the tongues without the interpretation. They're going to think this church is straight up crazy, right? That's what he's saying in those verses. But why then does Paul encourage prophecy to be used when believers and unbelievers are present in the gathered church? We find our answer to that in verses 24 and 25. But if all prophecy, prophesy, so tongues, not tongues, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. Why? The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. See, prophecy is a blessing to an unbeliever because God can use it to reveal himself by revealing The secrets of his or her heart of an unbeliever that's in a meeting and they can't deny the fact that God is present among this group of people. Note the contrast in the text. The contrast between the response to the unbeliever where there's tongues being spoken without interpretation. They're like, that's crazy. But when there's prophecy and it's intelligible and they understand it, they fall on their face, and they worship God. See, God can use the gift of prophecy in the gathered church to reveal the secrets of unbelievers' hearts, and the purpose of that is to show them their need for a Savior. So a few years ago, I took the Covenant Fellowship prophecy team with me to a, a, a church retreat that was... Um, uh, church Retreat of Grace Community Church, a Sovereign Grace Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Similar thing, we had a particular uh, evening where I had taught and then we did ministry. And We were just, a number of people up front, like just right here, we were praying for folks. And there was a, a, a man probably in his early 20s. No one at our team had ever met and we prayed for him and prophetic words were shared over him. I don't remember all of the specifics, but he just began to weep because whatever we were saying it was speaking right into his life and it was revealing to him that he was not following christ it revealed to him that he needed a savior and it was later that evening that this man repented of his sin and gave his life to christ Brothers and sisters, we we can't forget God will use whatever means. He will go to great lengths to rescue those he has chosen to save, even using the gift of prophecy. Because our God is a God who desires to save. And so if you have the gift of prophecy or you think you might have the gift of prophecy... Please be eager to use it. Be up here on a Sunday morning using it, using it. Use it in your fellowship group because you don't know who may be hearing it and you don't know how God may use it to draw that person to himself. Let me close with this. Regardless of how you arrived here this morning, whether rejoicing or having hard thoughts about God or making, Maybe a lot of questions about the gifts. I hope what you see here in these gifts is God's heart in giving the gifts, these gifts in particular, to the church. See, he's a God who wants to use them to build you up and potentially for some to grant salvation. And may both of those works of the Spirit, the building up of the church, and the the granting of salvation, may it always be done for His glory. Amen? Let's pray.